Shelley. How are you? Where are you? Well, I'm feeling a little bit hot and sweaty. Um, we are in a forest on the road between Troyes and Auxerre. Um, we've been cycling for about 65, 70 kilometres, um, but I'm feeling great because the sun is shining and it's been a really beautiful day going through lots of little villages on small roads. Welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast, an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we pedal from our home of seven years in London to the beautiful Hart Valley. In New Zealand. We've told our families we'll be home uh, around Christmas in 2016 so hopefully that gives us enough, enough time to cycle across Western Europe to Portugal, fly to Cuba and then over to Mexico and cycle all the way down to Argentina. And in breaking news we've clocked the 1,000 kilometer mark barrier whatever you like to call it. We've basically cycled a thousand kilometres. We've come a bit further, haven't we? What are we? Up, what are we up to now? I think we're at eleven twenty now. Eleven twenty. We've had a couple of big days from Chalon and Champagne to Troyes, and now on to Auxerre. And we've actually left the Champagne region now, and we've committed a crime—a <laughs> crime against the great region of Champagne, or Champagne. Oh. People have told me, oh, it's Champagne, but it doesn't. No, it's you've called it Champagne your whole life. Just call it Champagne. This yeah. is. I'm trying to be French. I'm up to level three on Duolingo French, but no, <laughs> it's not beat around the bush. It's champagne. And, but the crime that we've committed is that we have left the region without even drinking a drop of the good stuff. Oh, man, what were we thinking? How did that happen? I don't know. It's just the option never really came up, did it? <laughs> Where was all the champagne and champagne? <laughs> Over the last week, we've been in, what, five? Is this the fifth country in the last week? We're in the Netherlands, well, kind of Netherlands, Germany and Belgium all at the same time. We spoke to you last time. And then we've also been to Luxembourg and now France. So that's, yeah, that's five. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, uh, we went over into Germany and we came down uh, through Germany and into eastern Belgium, back to Germany, and then into Luxembourg, first time in Luxembourg. And then we came down through southern Belgium into France. And here we are. We are lower than Paris now, so I feel like we're making progress. But the, definitely the highlight of the week was the Venban route, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I remember um, before we left London, um, Baden, you, this won't surprise anyone listening, Baden did all of the route planning for our trip. And one uh, particular thing he was quite excited about was the Venban. And so he was talking about the Venban, and, and I didn't really know what that meant uh, until we got onto it. And then I realized why you were so excited about it. Yeah, I saw a, a blog on it on the Travelling 2 website and it looked awesome. And then I uh, went on, they've got a brilliant website, it gives you so much information. And I uh, sent an email to the East Belgium Tourism Authority and they sent me uh, a map and they uh, sent me the, the GPX, uh, GPS route as well. And oh, what a gr- it is genuinely a great route. It won a prize last year, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So. It's basically an old rail line from, what, the 1890s and, and before? Yep. And it was uh, basically taking coal from Germany and uh, delivering it to the smelters in uh, Luxembourg and France. Mm-hmm. And it's about 125 kilometres long. And they've just, in the last wee while, they've converted it into a cycling path. Yeah, and it's in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, they started using it more for tourism, but I think... 
it's at its sort of most developed it's ever been at the moment. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought we were reading that they started to develop this cycling project in the 90s um, to, and, and since then they've managed to stretch it out so that now it's the whole, the whole route is cycle path, yeah. Yeah, it's it's um it's brilliant. What did you like about it the most? Well, the, I've written a, a little blog on um, our our blog site, uh, howareyouwhereareyou.com, about the things that I, I particularly liked. Um, for me, the fact that it was so easy, um, because it's an old railway, it's uh, got very um, gradual inclines and lots of kind of big sweeping curves, and so it's it's really easy cycling. The surfaces are really good, nice and smooth, um, really clear signage. Uh, there's no traffic, so occasionally uh, roads will intersect with the Venban, but um, they're normally quiet roads anyway, so there's no traffic at all. And it's just got such an amazing old railway vibe for the whole thing, so you always you always see lots of signs that you you're on an old railway and, and you really actually feel like you are like you know i mean how many on how many occasions were you chugging along as though you were actually a train yeah i was kind of like <laughs> moving my um hand in the sort of the old train position choo, 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 up the up the up the old Venban. but also all the old station buildings and signal boxes and platforms and shelters yeah it was it was really fun what about you what did you like best well uh, it's, I mean, it's so set up for tourism. Yet we were only, we, you know, we hardly saw anyone on it. Yeah, I think it's quite early, early in the cycling, you know, holiday season. Exactly, isn't it? and we were doing it on a Monday, yeah, <laughs> a Monday and a Tuesday, yeah. And so, but there were all these information boards the whole way along the route, and they had all these little nuggets of information which were really interesting, weren't they? Yeah, you, no. you were relishing uh, reading them aloud to me in your broadcaster voice. Oh yes, <laughs> there were economic ones, political ones, and social and environmental ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like for example, the economic ones they told you about, you know, how when some of the industry started dying out how they turned the line into a bit of a tourism thing and so some towns became they were sort of advertised as the Swiss Alps of Germany where you can come for a you know buy fancy chocolate and 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 things like that oh, to bring in yeah. the tourists they had all those environmental ones that you were quite interested in yeah they had uh you know stories about um, a bat colony that's taken up residence in one of the tunnels so cyclists aren't allowed in there anymore um and things like you know the number of col- hundreds of thousands of kilometers of hedgerows and it's just all this quite random stuff really yeah I, I, the the social ones are quite funny as well there was one where in sour brute or something like that the mm. the uh, station became a bit of a drinking den mm. and the local priest what did he say that this is the uh sour brute is the uh the gateway to hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and also the a uh, lot of the interesting um, aspects of the language because down that east eastern uh, part of belgium it was kind of a neutral uh, on the border with germany it was quite neutral during the war mm. and, and or, or during a lot of war times and so to sort of prove that neutrality, they didn't want to appear so francophone. And so that's why the Walloon language and the Luxembourg languages, which are derivative of French, they created their own dialect so as to appear more neutral. So, yeah, there was lots of brilliant stories the whole way along the Venban. You should do it. <laughs> come to from wherever you are around the world, come and do the Venban. We thoroughly recommend it. Brought to you by the East Belgium Tourism Authority. <laughs> and when we got to the end at Trois in Luxembourg, um, there are very few options for accommodation and things. So this forced us to start camping. So our first night camping um, was uh, at the end of the Venban, um, and it was pretty chilly, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> I think we went to bed, uh, got into our sleeping bags with our hoodies and uh, woolen socks on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a beautiful campsite though, wasn't it? Terry the Tent got his first workout and no, since it's so cold in the morning, so much dew. Yeah, condensation. Uh, yeah. yeah, Terry was very damp in the morning. <laughs> Um, but you know, so it was good fun and we got the stove out and got going. And I think in some ways I'm kind of glad that we were forced into it because, um, you know, it's very comfortable staying at people's houses and, um, in Airbnb accommodation and things. And at some point we had to crack the tent out and, and set it up and start camping. So we, um, we, we cook, we've been cooking meals and they've been quite boring so far. And in actual fact, our regular feature of what's in the pot is, uh, all about one of the meals we cooked while camping. Hello from Busansi. This is a What's in the Pot live special. Today we are in a campground. What's the campground? The La Samaritan campground in Busansi. And for the third night in a row we're camping and we're just cooking up what's kind of been our normal food over the last three days. Uh, it's basically dried pasta boiled in a pot. And we, well, the first night actually, we had uh, Maggi Mix uh, spaghetti bolognese special. The second night, I found um, a couple of um, bolognese cans, which I. Uh, meat in a can. Meat, it was meat in a can essentially, and I just did that up, and we. Uh, it was slightly nicer, put a bit of chorizo in it. Today, we also bought this in Belgium, I think. We're in France now. But it's some of that gnaw stuff. I think they make, I know in London they make stocks and things. And this is spaghetti alla italiana. <laughs> and uh, it's basically just like a, a sauce mix. And there's nothing else to say. It's true. It's, this is going to be, well... Who cares? We're bloody starving. And also, we decided to jazz tonight's meal up because in the campground uh, kiosk, there's a little... There it is. Our can of petit pois. Petit pois. Petit pois. <laughs> little peas, basically. And we, again, we're just chopping up some tomato. So it looks like the water is coming up to boil. Shelley is now opening the dry penne pasta. We had penne, I don't know. I tried to jazz it up last night with that bow tie pasta. But Shelly, no, for some reason she wants a penne. She's struggling to open it. There you go. Just whack it on in. Have you got salt in there? Yes. Okay, the salt's in there. We're not animals. Oh, I mean, this is this is radio at its best. Okay, just pour in half. Because remember, we basically had to chuck some out the other night. Because, yeah, yeah there we go. Half a bag of the 500 um, gram <laughs> bag. And there we go, we are almost away. So the way that these um, our little camping stove boils, that'll start boiling in about two seconds. <laughs> in fact, it is, it's bubbling up pretty crazy now. Know, so can you hear it on how it's like... <sighs> yeah, you can hear it. <laughs> it's like there gym. it is, it's like... <sighs> and I tell you what, this, these camping stoves, we're using Coleman gas, and it actually sounds like you're cooking um, at the airport, because the smell of it... Smells oh, kind of yeah. like being down on the airport tarmac. <laughs> but there we go. That's what's in the pot special live here in Busanti. 
we'll uh, tell you how the medal is later on in the podcast. If memory serves, I remember that meal not being hugely satisfying. Um, I think out of the three pasta meals we've cooked, that was the worst. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. They had all these, had the packet mix thing, had all this dehydrated uh, carrot and tomato, which never hydrated. Well, I think we were supposed to sort of cook it, but instead we just mixed it with water and then mixed it. Yeah. It was, it was very chewy. <laughs> and, and and the other thing that added to the disappointment is that we um, downloaded an episode of Gogglebox. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> on YouTube, and it was so badly out of sync. Yeah, it was uh, unwatchable. So, oh, that meal was ruined. <laughs> we'll be doing some more camping uh, tomorrow night and the next night in the Loire Valley along the... Maybe even tonight. We don't know where we're staying tonight yet. That's a good so... point. Yeah, we need to hurry up and <laughs> go and get into Auxerre and find some accommodation. Um, but yeah, we, we, so we finished champagne today, um, and it was, I mean, it was totally stunning and beautiful. Obviously, as we've said, we missed out on actually drinking any champagne, but I mean, as soon as we came into France, you immediately got all nostalgic for all the other cycling you've been doing in the countryside here in France over the past few years. Yeah. It just reminded, no, we didn't know we were in France. We came down the sort of bumpy off-road forestry track. And we didn't really know where we were. It was just sort of, we were led astray by Google map. It wasn't, it wasn't so bad as it turned out. Although my pannier broke off a couple of times, had yeah. to fix that. It was of... quite bad actually. It was. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there, we'll put a picture on the blog of, of a paddock that the Google map took us across. Oh yeah. Um, so we were riding across basically someone's crops and the tractor guy was driving towards us. He didn't really seem that, he was quite nonplussed to yeah. see us in the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, we look, I thought we would have looked quite silly doing all that off-roading with all our panniers yeah, and things. but anyway. But, I mean, once we got into a village, we, were, we knew we were in France, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of giveaways. Yes, the car license plates all had an <laughs> F on them. But 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 no, it's just, it had that sort of French feel about it. We kind of came the smugglers' route, didn't we? There wasn't any fanfare. It was like suddenly we thought, "Hang on, I think we might be in France now." Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's the beauty of Europe. It's all one of the same. But um, no, it's, it's so it's so nice to be in France. The riding is outstanding. Yeah, and you know the people we've been staying with in France have been um, you know really friendly, really welcoming, and and quite oddly um, they've so far both had links to to New Zealand um uh, we stayed with a nice lady called Florence and her son had been in New Zealand and then just last night with a couple who traveled in New Zealand as well so I think that the fact that we're from New Zealand is uh interesting to people and they're they're keen to have us come and stay yeah the New Zealand factor you know you, you don't expect it to sort of come in uh when you're in such a remote place but there was at the campground the other night I met this well upwards I was doing the laundry don't don't forget, we were literally the only people on yeah. a hundred and thirty pitch campsite, yeah. which had just opened. So it was us and one other family. I think we were even their first clients of the season. Probably. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we're at this campsite, and then later on, this one family turns up, and uh, in a big sort of truck carrying motorcycles, and the guy comes in and talks me into the, in the laundry. He didn't really speak much French. Uh, sorry, uh, English, but he was from Switzerland and he had just said that, you know, sort of made out to me that he had just been in New Zealand motorcycling. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great, you know. Um, you know, New Zealand's nice, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, he starts undoing a shirt in front of me. I was like, whoa. Sexual. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's going on here? And he pulls, he pulls his, um, 
uh, shirt down over his shoulder and he's got a tattoo of the end of a Maori canoe tail or like a waka tail the end of the waka it sort of curves up up and around and he's got that on his arm so I thought whoa that's pretty hard out (laughs) so I then showed him my um, I pulled out my uh, punamu necklace and showed him that Mm. and then he reaches down in his top and pulls out a similar sort of thing but carved in bone and then he uh, he had a shirt open and opened and I noticed his uh, t-shirt was in the shape of a New Zealand flag and it and it was shaped in a way with uh, New Zealand phrases so you know said cuzzy bro sweet as <laughs> all these like New Zealand phrases uh, making up the north and the south islands it was, so it was, was it a flag or a map of New Zealand? It was a map of New Zealand. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, a yeah. map a map of New Zealand, yeah. but uh, shaped in the way with New Zealand phrases. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then his son walks in as well. He was hoping his son would be able to translate uh, a bit of English for him, but mm. his, sh- his son was turned out to be pretty shy. But the son, his T-shirt said Fox Glacier. I mean, we were the only people in this campsite, and, and this this guy turns up. It was pretty incredible. It's time for our regular segment of In Praise Of. This is where we sort of talk about the things that we've been grateful for while out on the road. What's yours this week, Charles? Okay, so for this podcast, mine is um, my new slippers. Um, when we were on the Venn Barn, we stayed with a lovely woman called Anita, um, and she was incredibly creative um, and had done lots of she sort of did sculpture using textiles and she was a yoga teacher and she was a really interesting woman and and incredibly welcoming and friendly Um, and she gave us when we arrived um, some slippers to wear and these slippers are just knitted so they they are they you know they're like a piece of clothing. They don't have like a sole. And they're just knitted and then she felts them in the in a hot wash. Anyway, so I was wearing these slippers around the house and it felt really comfy and cozy. And I thought, oh my gosh, I really, I would love a pair of these because they're really light to carry. Um, so I was saying, you know, where, where do you get these? And then she told me she'd made them and then she gave them to me. So they're yeah. really special now. <laughs> I mean, why do, you, why do you need slippers on a bicycle tour? Um, well, actually, I, I wouldn't have thought I would, but we have been staying at a lot of people's houses, and it's quite nice to put something on instead of walking around in your socks when you're when you're at their place. I know it does seem a bit silly, but I've got them now, and I'm going to keep them forever. So yeah, they're, they're lo- they are lovely slippers. I don't know how how useful they'll be in like 40 degree heat in Mexico, but you know, I've got them now. What about you? What are you in praise of? Well, I'm going to be a bit of a gear nerd this week. Uh, and talk about some a piece of equipment that we've got. We're a bit dubious about it at first as to whether it would be very effective, but we are starting to love it. And it's just little little things about cycle touring, you know. That <laughs> oh, what is it? What is it? <laughs> I'm going to hold you in suspense. It's green. It's long. It clicks. It's a click stand. So. Yeah, basically, for some reason, our bikes don't, our our bike frames don't support a built-in stand. But uh, so we got ones uh, specially made by a man in California who posted posted them out to us, and they're sized to fit our bike, and they clip down just to fit in your little front handlebar bag. And they've been great on past tours. We've sort of just leaned our bikes up against a wall, 
and oh, it's just a pain. Oh, they if you can't lean up over. against the wall, we just oh bugger it, let's just keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, no, with these click stands, uh, you can just you know, put them up anywhere, and the bikes sit happily, and they don't. The other thing is because you've got the front panniers on a lot of the time, you know, it, the handlebars will just swing around, mm. but they've got these little uh, things to put the brakes on, and the bikes just hold in place and. Yeah, they're a brilliant bit of equipment. We were really dubious about you know, whether whether it would work because mm. they don't they seem quite flimsy, yeah. but they're really strong. They really seem to hold up all the weight on the bike. So our bikes are right now sitting on their click stands, and they're standing strong. They're very happy bikes. <laughs> so what's next for us, Baden? Where are we going? Well, <laughs> I don't I don't really know to be honest. Um, we're kind of making it up as we go along at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need a couple of short days, so I think we'll um, just go between camp spots. But really, we're heading towards the famous River Loire. Mm -hmm, yeah. And uh, everyone talks about the Loire Valley. We've In uh, a couple of houses we've been in, they've had this uh, beautiful book about cycling along the River Loire. Mm. And we're not going to be doing it for too long, but uh, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And then the big question is, what happens after that? Well, we sort of just gradually make our way to Limoges uh, mm -hmm. in our, what is it, southwesterly direction across France. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're tracking a storm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every day on our weather app. Update. Yeah, on our weather app it says that a storm could be on Friday. It may come on Thursday now, I think. So. Yeah, but we'll just keep an eye know. on that. We'll that might be eye. the day that we stay inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have a rest, yeah. Um, we'd love to know how you are and where you are. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that by emailing you at gmail.com or head along to our blog um, and post a comment. We love getting comments on our podcast and things. So that's howareyouwhereareyou.com. And I think that's kind of it for today. Well, don't tweet me at Baden C. Oh, yeah, I'm doing a bit true. of tweeting action yeah. or Baden Cycling on Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah I'm social media up because I got a French bloody uh, mobile yesterday. Now you won't stop looking at your phone. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm connected. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm meant to be sort of detoxing from work, but I'm still, like, checking what's happening in the markets. Apparently, IMF is happening. No one cares. No one cares. That's yeah. the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.